Welcome to the Financially Independent Teachers Podcast, where educators come together to discuss their journey on the road to financial independence. Now, please join our co-host, Dave and Brandon, as they prepare to help other educators get fit with their finances. Welcome and thanks for joining us on episode 108 of the Financially Independent Teachers Podcast. If you think your story can help other educators and you'd be willing to come on the show, please shoot me an email at getfiteducator at gmail.com. And coach, it has been so fun working with you the last, obviously the last two years as we're now approaching that two-year mark. Episode 100, we had the big announcement of, of the new book that's coming out. We've had some awesome guests so far and who better then Christina Ellis to come back on the show, a Ramsey personality who has made her own way being fearless. Obviously I'm sure she was frugal along the way, but really being a lifelong learner, hitting those imperatives of the book. Yeah. It's so fun to, um, you know, once we kind of said, okay, here are the patterns, you know, when we, when we talk to people that win with money, I mean, sometimes people are stronger in one of the three than others, but everybody hits on all three of them, you know, it's in some way, shape or form. And uh, it's so fun now, now that we've kind of organized it that way, you know, we've kind of imposed order on all of this information. And it's so fun now to talk to people and, and, and just be able to identify those, oh, that way, that, those are their frugal habits, and those are their fearless habits, and those are their habits of being a lifelong learner. And you just see how it all ties together to make people, you know, fit with money. And uh, I do have to put a plug in here. I didn't realize last episode that we were publishing the video. <laughs> Um, but, uh, and so I'm over here drinking Diet Pepsi and thinking it's just audio, but you know what though? It's like we said, you know, I don't really take myself that seriously. So it's why I don't, I don't, hopefully I didn't do anything embarrassing on film. It's fine. <laughs> if, if I did, it's fine. Um, I'll try not to do anything embarrassing this time, but no promises. I'm not used to video. So, but Christina Ellis is used to video and Christina, we're so glad to have you on the show today. We're such big fans of you and your work. And um, like I was telling you before we started recording, I tell all my students about you and your work because it's, I mean, obviously they can benefit from it and that's why you did it. So we well, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me back. I had such a blast last time that I'm excited to do it again. Absolutely. So we have a lot of new listeners since the last time you were on the show do you mind giving us kind of a brief rundown of, you know, your story a little bit from, you know, going all the way back to ninth grade and how you bet on yourself and how it's ended up all the way at, at Ramsey Solutions as one of Dave's personalities? Yeah, yeah. So I'll go back to high school, my freshman year. My mom, she sat me down and she said, Christina, I love you and I believe in you, but there's just no way that I can support you financially once you graduate from high school. So you got to figure out your own way to pay for college. Now, she is from Venezuela. She's an immigrant and had fought so hard in her life to get to where she was. So she was like, not going to college is not an option, but you're also not going to go into debt. You got to figure out how to pay for it. And I mean, of course, in that moment, I was a little bit overwhelmed. It's, you know, every that's what every 14 year old wants to hear. <laughs> you know, you, you got to pay for college yourself. So um, in the moment, even though it was frustrating and kind of overwhelming, I knew that she was just trying to be real with me. My dad, he passed away whenever I was seven years old after a long and painful battle with brain cancer. And my mom, she did the best she could to support me and my brother, but we still struggled financially. So just paying for two educations was not realistic, but she wanted to light a fire under me to figure out how I could make my own way. 
So she told me about scholarships. And at the time, I wasn't a perfect student. I wasn't a star athlete. So I wasn't sure how that could happen. But she just had so much faith in me that I started to believe in myself. I started reading every book I could find on scholarships. I started interviewing alumni from my high school, just trying to figure out, you know, what did they do to go to college debt-free? And I put together a strategy and implemented it throughout high school. I worked on building up my resume. I did a ton of volunteer work, extracurricular activities, took on leadership roles. And then senior year of high school and junior year, I treated the application process like a part-time job. I just applied like crazy, spent a lot of time coming through my essays and perfecting my applications. And thankfully, it all paid off. I was able to win over a half a million dollars in scholarships and go to Vanderbilt University for undergrad and Belmont for grad school completely debt-free, which so grateful because those are definitely pricey schools if you look at the price tags. Um, but when I graduated, I had all these friends who were drowning in student loan debt saying, Christina, no one talked to me when I was in high school about paying for college uh, without debt. They just made it sound like student loans were normal. Like that was the way to go. That's what everybody's doing. No one talked to me about scholarships and told me that there was another way that I could actually get a degree debt free. And so that really fired me up. It made me think, you know, I want to be that person. I want to be that person to talk to people and let them know that there's another way. And I also want to help my friends who are drowning in student loan debt, how to help them figure out how to get out of it. So um, I ended up writing a book on the topic. And we were talking a minute ago offline that, you know, when I first wrote the book, I didn't have any sort of platform. So I didn't know if anybody was going to read the book, but I just kept saying, you know, if one student reads this book and it helps them go to school debt free and, you know, not take out student loans, then my efforts are worth it. And so I put that book out into the world and it kind of just took off um, way more than I ever expected. I mean, there's so much needed for, in that market right now. So many people are overwhelmed and stressed out about paying for college. So it kind of just took on a life of its own. So I did that. For the last 10 years, I've been going to high schools and colleges. I've written two books now, um, just helping people figure out how to go to school without student loans. And now it eventually led me to Ramsey Solutions, where I'm where I am today. And it was so awesome that uh, that this is a little bit past the one year anniversary. I guess you started last October with Ramsey Solutions, so yes. we're we're a little bit past the one year anniversary. Love to hear a little bit about what your experience has been like with Ramsey Solutions. Obviously, Dave and I are big fans of Dave, the Dave Ramsey system and and Dave Ramsey. It, it was his book, uh, The Total Money Makeover, that helped me uh, on my journey to being debt-free. And so, obviously, holds a special place in my heart. But, um, yeah, I'd love to hear what your experience has been like over the last year. It's been incredible. It has been awesome working in a job that you truly are so passionate about the work and getting to see life change every day. Like we get to see people who are drowning in student loans, get on the debt-free stage and scream out that they're debt-free, which is just so cool. And um, I was kind of telling you guys beforehand, it feels like we've kind of fit three years into one year <laughs> since I've been here, which has been amazing. There's just so many cool opportunities to get to get out and serve people um, that we've just been going for it. So. I've been able to become a co-host on The Ramsey Show, which is awesome. Get to sit beside Dave and talk to people about their money issues, the struggles they're having, even just like life issues. And super exciting for me paying for college and paying off student loans. So it's been fun to just take, take calls from all parts of the country on all topics and just walk people through what they're going through, just real life situations. Um, we've done a couple courses. So we did a uh, paying off your student loans course in Ramsey Plus, and then we've worked on the foundations and personal finance curriculum with Ramsey Education. That's been a amazing curriculum that's been around for years, but we did an update this year, and I got to be part of that, which 
right. is just so cool. Seeing what Ramsey Education does. I've had so many conversations with adults that are like, you know, why did we not learn money topics when we were in high school? Why did we learn all these crazy geometry principles, but we didn't learn how to, you know, just keep a budget? And so this course is that for high school students. It's all those things that we wished we would have learned when we were younger. So it's just been really cool to work on these amazing projects where you get to see real life change right away. Absolutely. Uh, I want to talk about the concept of fear because one of our imperatives in the book is that you've got to be fearless. How big of a role do you think fear plays when it comes to you sitting next to Dave on the show and you have people calling in and they're in these situations? Can you talk a little bit about fear and how that impacts some of the listeners and, and people that are struggling, whether it be with student loan debt or medical debt or any other form of debt? Well, it's interesting because I feel like to me, the definition of fearless is not that you never have fear. Like I have fears, you know, I've had to deal with several fears, but it's the fact that you're willing to do what you've got to do in spite of the fears. It's willing, it's being willing to fight through whatever obstacles you're going through, even if you feel afraid. So, I mean, I think even people just having the courage to call the Ramsey show and be honest and vulnerable in front of millions of people people, that is fearlessness right there, being willing to put a stake in the sand and say, you know, even though I feel a lot of emotions around my situation, I'm going to reach out and I'm going to get help, or I'm going to reach out and figure out a plan to get me out of my situation. Like, I think just having the courage to step forward and say, I don't know what the right action is, but I'm going to take action on my situation. That to me is fearlessness. I couldn't agree more. You know, when, when we talk about fearless in the book, what, what we're really talking about, and, and you just hit on a, on, a, on a big component, the ability to be able to risk maybe not looking smart. You know, people are, are, they get ashamed of their situation and then they don't want to ask anyone because they don't want anybody to know. There is a real superpower in being vulnerable. There's a, it's a real superpower to say, you know what, I, I want this enough to where I'm willing to reach out and get help. And then they just kind of overcome the fear of looking bad and say, I'm going to get the help that I need. And there's other fearlessness that comes in all forms. I mean, being an entrepreneur, you know, that it's, it, you know, I'm going to go start this side hustle. This is something I've never done before, but I'm, I've, I've, I've got to do it. You know, I've just got to push through it or I'm going to release my first book the way that you did. And, you know, it's like, <clears throat> you know, I'm putting myself out there and, you know, hopefully I'm embraced, but I may not be, I'm risking rejection and nobody likes that. And, and then there's other kinds of fearlessness. There's like, you know, when the stock market goes down and I've been investing, I'm a middle income earner and I'm investing $6,000 a year in my Roth IRA. And now I just lost $30,000. You know, am I going to keep doing this? You know, it, 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 we see it all across the board. You know, people just, those that win with money, they consistently, and I love what you said, they overcome their fears. Not that they don't feel it. You feel it, but you overcome it though. And I think in your life, I, I can see that, uh, that, that principle time and time again in your story, it seems like to me. Yeah, and it's like I even talk to students about it with the scholarship application process. I think a lot of people don't apply for scholarships because they automatically think like, I'm not going to qualify. I'm not good enough. They fear rejection. And so they just don't put themselves out there. But it's like, if you don't put yourself out there, you're not going to win the money regardless. So you kind of reject yourself. Like your fear actually creates a self-fulfilling prophecy. You end up not winning any scholarship money because you didn't even try. And so it's like being willing to put yourself out there, even though you're afraid, even though, you know, you may get rejected. Like, I mean, we all have those fears, but it, it's being courageous enough to go, you know what, even though I feel afraid, I'm going to put that application in and I'm going to 
be all in on this application. And the other thing is, is some students just put a half-hearted effort into it because they're afraid of being rejected. It's like, okay, I'll apply for scholarships, but I'm not going to try that hard because, you know, if, if I don't win, then it can be like, oh yeah, it didn't really matter anyways. But like, you got to go all in, like put the time in on the essays, go all in on yourself and on your future, even though there is that risk there. And coach, I think this also applies to us as educators in North Carolina, Christina, unfortunately, we're one of, I think just maybe two or three states that they no longer pay you or recognize you for having a master's degree. Um, so you used to get a 10% bump in pay, you know, which again, if you're making $50,000 a year, you know, to go from 50 to 55, that's, that's $400 a month after taxes. That's a big, that's almost your Roth IRA right there. But in North Carolina, they will give you a 10, a 12%, excuse me, pay increase if you get what they call national board teacher certification. And coach, I know that I have faced that before. You know, you have imposter syndrome. Could I really do it? I think that every teacher in North Carolina coach should go for their 12% increase national boards. But many of the teachers that I talk to are just fearful to do it. And they don't try to overcome those fears, Brandon. It's, it's true. And, and, you know, and those fears that, you know, like, like most fear, it's not all an illusion. I mean, you're, you're going to have to go in, you're going to have to spend some money. You know, you could get rejected. If you get rejected, you're not going to get any feedback from the national board, um, you know, committees. They're, they're not going to tell you why you failed. They're just, you're just, they're just not going to, they're going to give you a letter that says you didn't pass. And so, you know, it, you do have to overcome some real fear there in order to, to do that. But, but, the, but the reward is if I get through it, it's a, it's a 12% increase in pay and, and, you know, but so when I think of being fearless, I, you know, again, I think Christina just nailed it. You know, it's, it, you feel the fear, but you push through it and do it anyway. And then I love what, I love what she followed up with there. She said that sometimes people won't try so hard because then they can make the excuse. Well, I didn't really try that hard because it wasn't really that big a deal. You know, it's embarrassing for a teacher if they, you know, cause you're, you're going to have to, I, I would suggest reaching out and getting help. I mean, don't just go through the process incognito, like you don't tell anybody because you need to reach out and get help. And then when a teacher fails that, I've, I've seen it happen. It's really embarrassing and, and to them, although it shouldn't be, it really shouldn't be because I don't think less of the person if they, if they, if they didn't get through it. I mean, they, they gave it a shot, you know, and you can give it a shot again, maybe, but, but, uh, but I think that's a real fear for, for people. You know? And I think that goes back to what George Camel said in episode 101. He said, you know, if you could have a superpower, not giving a darn what anybody else thinks about you is a really nice superpower to have. Don't one. worry about what everybody else thinks about you because, you know, you've got to run your race and it doesn't really matter. I mean, I can admit that when we started this podcast, there was definitely some fear there. We know that first episode, a lot of people listened in and we had record numbers the first episode, probably of people wanting to see how bad we were. And then for you to have <laughs> the did idea- not disappoint. <laughs> then, yeah, exactly. We gave them what they were looking for. But, uh, and, and this really, the, the brainchild of this book, The Fit Position Coach is yours. And I'm sure there was some fear that went into the ideas and, and all the writing that you did to put this thing out there. So kudos well, to you for keeping this going. Yeah, I think people love that y'all were vulnerable, that you put yourselves out there in that first episode and that it wasn't perfect. I think that people, you guys being courageous and doing that gives people courage to do it themselves, to try things that make them afraid. Like you guys are just being examples. Christina, you know what's really great about all of this? And, and I have found that, you know, the rock stars like yourself all the way down to, you know, someone like me, me and Dave, right? You know, we, no matter where we are, it's it's all for the same reason we're all doing this stuff because we want to we we've been there 
And then we want to see other people elevate themselves. That really, what Dave just said, that really helps me overcome the fear because I kind of come from the same place you're coming from. If nobody, re I, you know who I was thinking about when Dave and I were writing this, I was thinking about my four-year-old niece. I was thinking about my one-year-old nephew. That's fine. If nobody else reads it, that's cool. Because I, I, I'll, it'll be in their hands. I can't make them read it, but it'll be in their hands. And I don't want them to make the same mistakes that I made that plunged me into debt and put me in a position where I'm 45 years old trying to catch up. You know, I want them to get it from the beginning. And so I, I would, I want to help them. I don't care if, if you know, it, the, the other stuff doesn't make a, as big a difference. And, and, you know, to me, but, and it's kind of like you said, I want to, if I can help one student, you know, it's worth my time and effort and worth me doing it. So. Absolutely. I think so many people are going to find value from this book, hearing y'all talk before we got online. It's, it's going to be powerful. I'm excited. Um, and I just want to add to the fear conversation. There's also a positive side to fear. Like fear can make you focused. So whenever you feel fear, whenever you're feeling afraid, you know, asking, what can I learn from this? What is my body? What is my mind telling me I need to do in preparation for this fight? I mean, back in the day, fear was like what we biologically had to keep us safe you know, from attacks, from predators. And so it's like now, you know, fear can look a lot different. We have a lot different challenges than back when, you right. know, back in history. But like, what is fear telling you? You know, what can you do, you know, with the example with the teachers and the, the examination, you know, can you prepare a little bit more? Can you reach out for help? Can you, can you get a tutor? Like, what can you do to channel that fear into positive action? You know, if you if you're feeling afraid and it makes you curl in a corner and not do anything, that's negative fear. But if the fear propels you to take action and to take steps to move forward, then you're really using that fear for the good. Christina, I knew you were a track athlete, if I recall, back in high school. Are you a football fan at all? Uh, my husband is a big football okay, well, fan, so I try now. <laughs> I saw your Vanderbilt Commodores did defeat Florida this year in a big football game. That was a huge Ooh. win for Vandy, so I had to throw that out there. But I wasn't <laughs> well, sure you. if you were familiar with, I'm sure you are, uh, the wide receiver, famous wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers, Jerry Rice. Jerry I Rice, know. one of the yep. greatest ever. His Hall of Fame speech, I love the Hall of Fame speeches every year, Coach, on the way to Canton. Jerry Rice said the greatest motivator for him was the fear of failure. And that's mm. what propelled him to have a hall of fame career. He said that his parents did too good of a job. He worked way too hard. He was not going to ever lose. And that fear of failure, actually, again, he caught lightning in a bottle and used it to have a hall of fame career and probably be one of the top 10 football players of all time. So it just made me think of that, as you were saying that fear, again, it could be a bad thing potentially, but can also propel you to greater heights. Absolutely. I mean, even personally for me being at Ramsey in this last year, there have been moments where I have felt fear and I've started training myself to go, okay, so I have a shoot coming up, a video shoot, and I feel some fear. What, what is that fear trying to tell me? Oh, well, you know what? I'm not super prepared. Maybe I should go through my notes a bit more. And then it's like, I go through those notes and I do a little bit more preparation. And on the other side of that preparation, I feel a lot more peace. And so it's like, I'm trying to consistently ask when I feel that little bit of flutter in my heart, when I feel that like, hesitation what can I learn from this moment and what can I do to get through it like what actions do I need to take that are gonna that's gonna help alleviate that fear and actually prepare me even better that is great stuff I, when I went to college I was not a very good high school student and um, when so when I went to college I immediately felt inferior in my classes and uh, I remember going to one of my professors and saying I don't really think I'm smart enough to be here you know 
And uh, he said, well, people like you are the ones that make it. He said, the ones that don't make it are the ones that think they're too smart to be here and then they don't do anything and they end up not getting through it. He said, but if you're truly afraid that you don't belong here, then if you work, you'll, you'll get your degree. And he was right. I mean, I, I started working. I, I became a better student once I got to college because I did feel fear of not being, not belonging. I felt like everybody around me was smarter than me and they were definitely all more well-read than I was. So I started reading and, and all that stuff. And that's kind of like a segue into the, the being a lifelong learner. One of the things that I'm, I love reading, I've, I've learned to love books and, and uh, as Dave will tell you, but uh, when you said you read everything that you could find on winning a scholarship. So as a high school teacher to hear that a high school student did that, you know, that you, you can, that's why I have a real, a real love for your story. It's one of the reasons why I have a real love for your story. And, and that is the role that being a lifelong learner or being a learner in general in, in high school for you was a key component to your story. I think that's what's so powerful about books. It's literally like guides to doing amazing things with your life. Like, I think I got so excited in high school because I'm like, whoa, these are real examples of people who won a ton of money who are just telling me all their secrets. They're telling me all the principles that they used. And now I can take literally this, you know, inch thick book and take it and go out and get thousands of dollars myself. Like that concept is just so cool. But literally just reading a book translated to a half a million dollars in scholarships. Wow. Like that's nuts when you think about the power of some of these books. And, and it's just amazing even as an adult learner. It's like I'm constantly learning. And it's like you can literally pick up books by some of the most brilliant minds in the world and history and learn their secrets, what they feel are the most important things to win in life. That is just it is really a powerful, powerful thing. Carl Sagan has a really powerful quote about this, the scientist. And he said that books are proof that humans can work magic because you can have a conversation with someone in your head. Somebody can speak into your ear that lived thousands of years ago in a, on a different continent, spoke a different language, and you can have that conversation with them when you open up a book. And uh, I, that's probably uh, some people might say that's over romanticizing it. But I, I, I love the quote, though, and, and, and it is true. I, I think it was the CEO of Kellogg's, although I may be wrong about that. I can't remember who said it, but somebody I was listening to said that they read biographies all the time, biographies and autobiographies, because you can learn in 15 minutes what it took them a lifetime to learn. Wow. And why would you just, why would you just meander through life only capturing what you're able to capture in your experience when you have the experiences of thousands of years of history that you can pull from? and make yourself better. When I heard that, that really did it for me. I started reading biographies, autobiographies, you know, for a while there, I was on a kick. That's all I was in. And it's true. You read those things, you get all these. And so, so obviously like when a student tells me, you know, I really want to go to college. Um, I'm not sure how I'm going to pay for it. I have your book on my shelf. I pull it off and I say, well, you know, you probably should read this book right here. Uh, this will help you out, you know? And, and, um, but there's, and there's so cool. literally, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You literally can, take what took me years to figure out and, yeah. and reading all these different books and trial and error and reaching out to people. All of the effort that it took me is now distilled into what you can read in three to four hours. And so that's just why it's so powerful because it's like, I mean, it may feel like a task at times to sit down and get the information yourself, but it's so much easier than just getting out there and trying and failing and doing all these different things. It's like, it's all right there. It makes it so much more simplified. Right. It's kind of funny that, you know, here you are in the personal finance space 
Um, I'm, I'm imagining that you as a ninth grader, when your mom has that tough conversation of, Hey honey, you know, you're going to have to pay for this on your own or get scholarships. I'm sorry. We don't have that. Could you have ever imagined yourself in the personal finance space? And I'd be interested as much as you're willing to share, you know, you, you hit up a big segment of like the student loan debt thing. It's kind of a specialized thing. Is there anything over the last handful of years that's really piqued your interest when it comes to the personal finance space, maybe being with Dave, maybe it's uh mutual funds or investing. Is there anything else that, that you've picked up on that you've continued to be a lifelong learner with that, that fascinates you now that maybe you couldn't care about five years ago? Well, it's so funny. My husband pointed this out the other day. He was like, it's funny how your life has all kind of converged together to make sense at this point. Cause it's like, I've always been interested in being on stage and I've always been interested in content. But then when I went into college, I actually was majoring in economics. But when I got to the classes for economics, I was like, oh gosh, the macro economics <laughs> of Southeast Asia. Like I just was like, oh, this is not as exciting as I thought. But that desire to talk about money and learn more about money and how it works was really in my heart. So the fact that now it's like all come to, you know, come to head focusing on personal finance. It's like, oh, that's the interesting part of money that I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about people's real life situations and what makes them tick and what wins and what doesn't. Um, so that's been cool. And what's neat is that like, this is my life. I love talking about money and, and just like personal conversations. <laughs> like I nerd out about it and <laughs> yeah. I live the principles. Like I love frugality. I love finding deals. Like one of the greatest joys that I have, the thing that makes me giddy is whenever I book a vacation at like 75% off. <laughs> yes. Like if I can find a killer travel deal, like I will be smiling for the rest of the day, probably the rest of the week. But like we were just, I was talking to a coworker earlier today about like our favorite deals from Black Friday and talking about like, there's some really cool discount stores in the area where you can get things for like 90% off. So we were like going through all of our like history list of the best deals that we got. And it's like, that's stuff I want to talk about off air. I just get really <laughs> excited talking about money and how to apply principles to my own life and then just casting vision for the future. Like what do these things like do for my personal finances and how can it propel me forward? Dave, that kind of supports what we were talking about. Um, what we talk about all the time is it seems like people are, they fall into one of two categories. They're either spenders or savers. And those that are psychologically bent towards being spenders, it's really tough because you are, yeah, the money just, you spend it as soon as you get it. But so you almost have to rehabilitate yourself if you're kind of naturally that way and kind of and, and, and shift your mindset into being a saver and investor and being frugal. People that are already savers, they just kind of have to learn how to maximize their savings, but they're already pretty frugal naturally. Unfortunately, there aren't many people that are that way that, you know, we, we find that it's only like if I, I would say out of 100 people, you might find less than 10 who are like naturally frugal. Most people seem to be naturally spenders. But even when you give a person who is doing really well financially, you get a person to, if they're, if they're wired to be frugal, if they've trained themselves to be frugal, they're still frugal. Even if they have the ability now to, I can, I could actually go out and, and, and spend some money and, and not worry about getting 75% off on the vacation, but, but you're just trained that way. That's just, that's how I do it, you know? And so it was really cool to kind of hear you say that. Um, well, it's funny. It surprises people sometimes because I, I do tend to be more of like a free spirit and a spender. I think yeah. I am in that category of like somebody who's just trained to 
maximize the money that we have. Like it's like I want to stay to the budget. I want to win with money long term. So how can we make the most of the money we have? Like it's almost like a game. Like how can I take what we have and make life exciting with this budget? And so it's like having that long term vision helps. Like if you're a spender and that's hard, like having the long term vision and then maximizing what you have can be so helpful. I was joking with somebody earlier. I was like, I could be a multimillionaire and still be looking for travel deals. Like, I'll just try to book a yacht at 75% off. <laughs> it's the hunt, right? It's, it's the it's hunt. The hunt. It's very thrilling. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So what is what are, what are Christina Ellis's, you know, vices? Is there anything financially, you know, you hear about David Book's, a David Box book on the automatic millionaire, the latte factor. Is there anything that besides like travel, which it seems like that's a big thing you value. Is there anything else you love to maybe splurge on or spend on? Even if it's, a, it could be in the budget, but is there like the Starbucks thing or clothes? Oh man, now that I'm a mom, I have a one and four year old and like the toys are so cute. And so <laughs> it's so hard to be like, oh no, even though it's $2, you don't need to get it. Like, even though you can get it for 80% off, you don't need to get it. <laughs> like, you know, at some point too, you start stacking up those toys and there's just no room for any more toys in. And you know, they're just going to drag out every one of them too, by the way. There's going to yes. be toys all over the floor. That's just more stuff I'm going to have to pick up. <laughs> I've been like pulling out my Marie Kondo book, the one where you like get rid of all your stuff and minimalize. And I'm That's like, right. Christina, yeah, yeah, yeah. like stay focused. Right. Yeah, it's funny that, you know, you'll find out as a parent that the, the thing that you spent $50 on on Amazon, you know, the kids actually enjoy the box more than they actually enjoyed what was inside the box. 100%. That is completely my children. We built a castle a few weeks ago, completely out of boxes. And that thing got more life and play than I think any other toys. <laughs> absolutely absolutely christina it was such a treat to have you back on the show and everything that you talked about hit the imperatives that that we've preached about so thank you so much thanks for having me it's been a joy and honor always good to have you on the show and 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 we're going to keep pushing that book and and your second book could you tell us real quick a little bit about the second book yeah how to graduate debt free is my second yeah. book and it basically takes you know all the different ways that you can graduate debt-free and distills it down. So I wrote my first book, which was primarily about scholarships. And I had a lot of people ask me after that, okay, so if my student doesn't win a full-ride scholarship, does that mean that they have to go into debt? And it's like, no, there are so many other ways to pay for college. So yeah. that's this book. We talk about scholarships, but it's also all the other different methods and ways that you can pay for college without debt. Yeah, this sounds like such a great resource. I mean, obviously, we have lots of different teachers at, at different levels. But if you're a middle school or a high school teacher and you're listening to this podcast, you definitely want to make your students aware of Christina Ellis. Christina, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, so you can go to my Instagram. It's I am Christina Ellis, and that's Christina with a K. And I will keep you all posted about what we're putting out. I have some really exciting projects coming out in the spring. So I will be excited to share that resource with people. Well, we are so excited to see what you have going on and keep up the great work over there with Dave Ramsey. And again, we appreciate you and we appreciate all the listeners. And remember, be frugal, be fearless, and be a lifelong learner. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much.